0: This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program.
1: As men, we are called to be protectors, providers, and leaders. We are called to step outside of our comfort zone by raising the bar for ourselves and helping to lift up our brothers around us by mentoring. Joining me along the way is the founder of The Kingsman, Mark Hauk, for the unique way to help men push their boundaries physically, mentally, and also spiritually. Mark, welcome.
2: Hi, Dave. Well, thank you for having me.
1: Hey, man, it's it's great to have you. Uh, this is uh, this is our second attempt with with doing this. We had some technical difficulties, uh, as they say in the uh, radio and entertainment business. We had some technical difficulties that, that prevented us from having this casual conversation. My guest is Mark Hauk. He is the founder of the Kingsmen. Mark, tell me a little bit about the Kingsmen.
2: Sure. Well, thanks again for the opportunity and to join you and flexibility for uh, being on the show for multiple times now. So this is the King's Men is a laymen's ministry that started in 04, 2004 in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And it began simply as a small men's group, uh, just three men coming together, wanting to grow in holiness, be better men, be better leaders, protectors, providers, which we were growing into learning about. So we did that and quite effectively saw some changes in our lives and virtue was was growing and increasing in our lives we decided to invite other men into that brotherhood well very quickly we realized we had an apostolate on our hands because we were doing multiple things with these men taking their faith to action so in 2006 we launched the full-time outreach of the king's men and basically we are a full-time ministry that seeks to build up men as leaders protectors and providers and we do that through our four pillars, which consist of our education piece. We do a lot of talks, speaking conferences, retreats. We have a our formation component. So it's education, formation, formation is our small men's groups. And then we have our call to action piece, which is the four, third pillar uh, where we invite men to take their faith into the marketplace. And our fourth piece, which is uh, really a, an outgrowth of all of it, but uh, we are in very intentional about it is healing. And so, we do all this work as you know. As men um, are summoned into our our uh, brotherhood, uh, you know, we'll we'll invite them to start a men's group, and we've had about fifty of those around the country and around the world, for that matter. So uh, that's essentially the, the Kingsmen.
1: How can people start one of the uh, the Kingsmen men's group?
2: Sure, it's it's pretty easy. Um, our our model is very modular and and duplicatable, which means that it doesn't require a lot of uh, training. Mm-hmm. We have a handbook that men can get their hands on uh, and 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 read if they like it, a 64-page book that just kind of outlines what we do. And if they get excited about it, we can send them a more in-depth piece, which will take them uh, into launching at the parish level or wherever they want to have their group. So we have like a leader's resource manual that will um, take a learning curve of about probably 90 days or even six months and reduce it to about one month. So that's the way that these, these groups have started and emerged, and it's pretty turnkey once they get a core group of guys. So if you wanted to start a group, David, you, you would want to get at least two other men to join you. Mm-hmm. And then once that group is established uh, for the effectiveness and overall efficiency of the group and long-term success, uh, then we can move into supporting them on the back end as an apostolate.
1: One of the things that we, Dave Imhoff and I have done is we've we've done a lot of stuff with the into the breach, which I think you're really really familiar with because I think mm-hmm. you were in the videos.
2: We are in the video series, yes.
1: Where was that? Where was that filmed?
2: That was filmed in Chicago, was right it? downtown Chicago. Yep, yeah, they flew us out. Multiple multiple people in that project, as you well know, they yeah. flew me out literally that morning. We filmed and they flew me right back. So they they put a lot of money into the Knights of Columbus did, yeah. and uh, you know we love Bishop Olmstead's uh, exhortation there, and and that was a great blessing to be a part of that.
1: Yeah, Dave and I we um, just recently, when was it, Dave? Back in April, we did the uh, Into the Breach over in Ireland.
0: It was May uh, with in Ireland. Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah
1: so we we uh introduced into the breach to into Ireland so that's great yeah um but i've always been interested in in the kingsmen since i I'd, I'd found out about you guys um not that i struggle with what you guys originally were were founded for cuz i know that you deal a lot with pornography and I, I know a lot of men do it comes up at retreats and that's something that we're going to talk about later on but tell me where the the leader protector and provider came out. I I associate that so much with the King's men.
2: Yeah, and rightfully so because a lot of people don't use it as I as we were talking about before when I we attempted this first draft here uh, in this <laughs> interview um, you, you know protector provider is very often heard in the pope's writings and any many many writings in the church and lo, and when they talk about St Joseph they always talk of him as a, talk of him as a protector and a provider. However, the word leader is not often used. Now, I have my, I, I have my theory as to why, which may not be good to share on this interview. But um, that said, it's just not commonly used. So the idea everyone's called to be a leader in some capacity, right? Moms are leaders, mothers, wives, women are leaders. So there's just great women who are leaders. Mm-hmm. They have it. In, they have wonderful charisms. Um, however, men, in a unique way, in a very distinct way, are called set apart like Adam in the way he was in the garden to, to problem solve and to do things that women weren't called to do that Eve was not called to do. So in that way, um, you know, there's, there's a nuance to being a leader and we would say a servant leader. And that would be the model of Christ where women aren't meant to, to be in that mold. Mm-hmm. We are meant as men to, to be in that mold. And so when we talk about leader, protector, provider, it's, it's kind of unique to our ministry. We learned it from Dr. Philip Chavez, who kind of coined it. And he always would say that men are called to be leaders, protectors, providers on a natural level, on a supernatural level. They're called to be priest, prophet, and King, the three offices of Christ. And so um, a lot of men can relate to leader, protector, provider. I don't know about you, Dave, uh, or Dave, uh, priest, prophet, and King is a little abstract, Uh, in some respects
1: sure no i think it's it's really good for our times to you know leader protector provider guys can really really relate to those terms more so than priest prophet and king
0: right
1: the kingsmen uh get together they have retreats and that's really what i wanted to talk to you about because dave and i we met on a a, an axe retreat I i don't know if you're familiar with axe at all but we met on an axe retreat and i think that Going on a, a retreat at least once a year should be something that every guy should should attend a, a, a retreat of some sort at least once a year. Tell me a little bit about the retreats that you're putting on.
2: Yeah, well, I concur with your statement there. I mean, you got to set time aside for the Lord. You have to you have to come and rest with Him, right? As He would call, He would do it Himself for Himself, but He would pull the apostles, you know, Peter, James, and John off and away uh, up on the mountain or you know, he pulled his men aside for time alone with him, mm-hmm. and he had that time with his father. So it's so important that men do this. We do multiple retreats. We've done probably about nearly a hundred retreats since we launched our apostolate for men, and the most of them are or most of them have come to an outdoor experiential program called Into the Wild. We've done. We'll be doing our 51st uh, in Flagstaff, Arizona next month, September 15th to the 18th. And so this, this particular program, this retreat was designed because we as Catholic men, I'm familiar with acts. I never did an acts weekend. I know, I know they're very good, but we were experiencing a lot of things in the Northeast here in my area, Southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, where men would go and they would have a lot of lectures. Uh, there'd be some downtime with, with guys, but most mostly mass, mostly just some quiet reflection time, but there was not a lot of bonding activities that were offered. So we decided as a group of young single men, uh, some of us were married that um, let's design a retreat that we could really build off of the, the things that we really enjoyed about those other retreats that we were experiencing. And when we surveyed everybody, we found that everyone really enjoyed the bonding piece when, when men would have an activity or a project. And, uh, I know Curcio does a little bit of those things too. Mm -hmm. So um, anyhow, we designed an outdoor experiential retreat that would teach men how to be a leader, protector, provider, but would also build off the majority of the things that we enjoyed. So we reduced the lectures to one a day and everything else was more geared towards the men coming together in activities, in prayer, in group adoration, procession, and things like that. And so we found that men loved it. In fact, they loved it so much that we bought, we averaged about 100 guys a retreat for the first 30 retreats that we did. So about four or 5,000 guys have come to this program. During that process, we saw a lot of men hemorrhage on the weekend when they would have an opportunity to share uh, a little bit about their journey. It might be a glory story. It might be a, might be a difficult situation in their life. We decided that we would take them deeper in that area because we felt like they would leave the weekend and we were doing them a disservice. They would hemorrhage it with no tourniquet, nothing to help them. And so eventually we designed a healing retreat to take men deeper into the place that they were just really scratching the surface of. Now that retreat is just for men, whereas the other retreat is for young men. Minors can come to the end of the wild. And those are some of those are our, our two bookend retreats. We do other retreats too that are, you know, special in nature. We just designed one for, for veterans uh, to heal after their service time and even first responders. So um, that's a little bit more than probably you wanted to know. But those, those are the, the main retreats that we do.
1: Uh, I really want to know some more. How, how long are these retreats? How long do they last?
2: Right. So again, we, we leveraged our experiences. Most retreats for men were Friday to Saturday. By the time you got there, maybe you got some dinner in you, it was time for bed on a Friday night. By the time you entered in the shield came down. It was Saturday night. Well, you had about 12 hours left in the retreat and you were going home. Mm-hmm. So we decided that we would do Thursday and give them a full day to bring the shield down, put their guard down and and really start to enter in. So by Saturday they had a still they excuse me, they had a lot of retreat left to still enter into and share mm-hmm. in the that experience and not feel like anything was rushed. And so we do, always do when we do retreats, Thursday to Sunday, Thursday evening to Sunday afternoon.
1: That's that's a good length. It's, it's it gives you enough time to. I think there's some there's got to be some building back of the person once they've once they've come and and, and began to open up. There's there's that healing that that's going to begin.
0: For sure.
1: You've had some some great people that have been a part of these. I know Joe McLean uh, speaks very yeah. very highly of these uh, these retreats. Can you tell me like what's what are some of the the uh, lectures that you, that you you have what are they about
2: Yeah yes yeah, so Joe's great and he'll be at our next retreat uh September 15th to the 16th kind of as the retreat master so each day that we have a full day with the men is designed to teach them or build up the charisma of the the three natural calls of of men that we discussed previously leader protector provider so on the leader day we have a talk on leadership, and that's, again, mostly servant leadership. But, you know, there's so many things you can talk about there. Mm-hmm. And then on the provider day, which is usually Saturday at the retreat, we talk about emotional provision, spiritual provision, physical provision. And we talk about that role. We, we try to educate the men and open their minds up to, to things that maybe they haven't been taught. And I, a lot of guys are catechized when it comes to their faith, through school and through C, you know, the CCD program that formerly called, but they really don't get into their, their gender roles too much. They don't really understand how to properly live out their call as a man, mm-hmm. maybe our baptismal call. And that should, that should inform us, but they really don't break it down into the, you know, the girls and the boys and, and them really understanding. So we find that men really don't have a clue when it comes to this stuff. And then of course on Sunday, the talk would be on being a protector, protecting the common good, women and children. And and this is really the send-off talk, too, um, because they're going home and they're going to put that into action. So three talks, we bookend it with a vision talk and a send-off talk, but, and that's it, and a homily, you know, each day with mass. So we really don't give them a lot of lecturing. It's a lot of learn by doing, and it's a lot of the men sharing their own stories on this.
1: How do the men get the opportunity to share? What's the catalyst for them to open up?
2: Sure. Well, every night we have a campfire. And uh, the opening night are going to be campfires. We put them in platoons. We leverage a lot of the military language because we find it speaks to men. And, uh, you know, it's great if you're former military like you are. Um, But, you know, just putting them in a setting where there's a campfire is naturally going to speak to a man's heart. It just does. Even if he's not an outdoor guy, Mm -hmm. he's going to like it. If he's behind a computer most of his life, he's still going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So the first night, the guys will just introduce themselves. So we get them talking, you know, where are you from? Why did you come? You know, and then that'll be facilitated by someone who's a platoon leader, if you will. And then the next night, we do what we call training under torchlight, where the guys come together around one huge big bonfire. And it's the entire camp. And uh, the guys get up and they share anything they want. So we basically turn the program over to them. We give them the microphone and we say, hey, do you have something you want to share? Is the Lord putting something on your heart? Where are you at in your masculine journey right now? Do you have a glory story? What did you learn about yourself today You know that you might want to share to build up the rest of the group, the men? Uh, it's amazing. We watch the young guys get up, 12-year-old boys, 13-year-old boys get up and thank the grown men for mentoring and fathering them or just exhorting them in a, in a way to keep fathering them. Uh, and then there's men that get up that share all sorts of stuff. And, you know, it's amazing. You know, grief shared is grief diminished. So they they kind of lead with their weakness there. And, you know, we, we want to control it. And we'll, we'll say, you know, keep the language clean. And, you know, we don't need the very salacious details of any of your life. We don't need that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, men will share certain things. And it's very healing for them in a lot of ways because they've never shared it with anybody. So I'm like, a guy might get up and he might share about an abortion he had and he never shared with anybody um so, so you see where i was saying i have to take him deeper with that because i couldn't really do that on the weekend mm-hmm. so the next, they'll go to a platoon campfire after that they'll share again if they want and then the next night we'll do it all over again it's always the ending part of the day is this training under torchlight so the guys get a chance to decompress and again and share some of their gifting and charisms with the men on the weekend
1: I don't know if I'm giving anything away, but within the Axe community, there's a thing called the river rule. And what that means is what's said on this side of the river stays on this side of the river. Is, is there any kind of that safety net for your retreatants that uh, if they do share things that, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to go outside of, you know, the, the retreat.
2: Well, as far as the retreat goes, nothing's a secret. Anybody can share anything about the program itself. In other words, there are certain retreats you alluded to one that don't want you to share the program of like, you know, what happens, not necessarily the, the testimonials or what the men's stories are, mm-hmm. but what happens are our, ours are our, we, we have it all online. Like you can see what we do. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing secretive and it's not a secret society or a secret group in any way. Right. Um, nothing secret about what we do. However, when the men share a turning under torch we'll, we'll say what's said here stays here. Right. Um, but regarding, you know, the weekend they're they're free to go home and say, I met some great men. Uh, they can talk about, you know, the, the great friends they made Mm -hmm. where you, where you're getting into the safe container. We really try to do on our healing retreat. When men come, we make them take an oath of confidentiality, a pledge. Mm -hmm. And we say, you know, look, if you share any of this weekend in any capacity with regard to the men, then, you know, we have zero tolerance so on the weekend some guys have called home and started a young man started spilling the beans about the weekend uh, you know in the content related to the men not the program itself but just the content of the men's stories we we had to kick them off the retreat unfortunately so i get what you're saying at into the wild because we have minors and because it's kind of come as you are mm-hmm. we don't really go over the top with the with the you know pledge
1: too much That sounds awesome and I, I would love to take part and in, in, in see one someday. And, and, you know, like I said, take part in one, um, uh, what have been some of the things that men have said to you after these retreats?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible, David, uh, men have used the word life changing and that that's a big statement. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We don't just set the retreat up to be life changing. The Holy spirit shows up and the, our Eucharistic Lord is with them in 24 hour adoration from, thursday night to, to saturday night so amazing things can happen when you put men in front of the eucharist in front of jesus and so i can see why they would say that because some of their lives have been totally rerouted and found meaning and purpose again and healing mm-hmm. so i get i get it um it, it's a big statement and we would never advertise it that you know come and get your life changed because some men don't want their life changed but in reality that's that's a lot of what happens and Men come to the weekend and they're, they're really edified by the father sons that are there. Sometimes men are there and they witness the, the healing between, or excuse me, the relationship between a father and a son. And it'll trigger him and to, to be open to healing in his own father-son relationship, whether he's the son or the father. And it just happens very organically. The brotherhood is extremely palpable. Men just love it. It's authentic. It's real. And these men are really there for them. Host the re- retreat weekend. Mm-hmm. We usually have about 15 to 20 leaders that serve on the weekend, and, and again, they're there to serve all weekend. So men just come and get served by another man. Uh, it just it's just eye opening, and the witness to the young men that are there can be very good, you know, for them long term, uh, seeing what a real man's supposed to be and how he's supposed to act and behave not saying we're perfect men, but these are some of the takeaways that men have shared with me throughout the years. My son came when he was 18. He's now 30, and he attributes his fatherhood to that experience. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing to say Mm -hmm. Uh, because he learned and he watched, and and it meant something to him, and it touched his heart. It touched him in a place. We've had atheists come and say, hey, being around you Catholic men makes me miss being Catholic. And an atheist got up and declared that, you know, and it's like, wow. You know, mm-hmm. So it's just a fantastic witness. And no one is is even, when the guys get up to share, David, it's not, a, I, we say, don't, don't put your preacher hat on. No one, no one's here to be a preacher. Just share who you are. That's enough. Just be you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let the preachers, you know, the priest and whoever else is designating that area to preach. You just get up and share who you are. Be real. Be authentic. And I'll tell you, it, it breaks down walls. And that's really the long-term effects is the men never forget that because they never are off. I should say not never. There's a double negative way. They often are never exposed to this type of behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. How many guys would you say, what's the percentage of, of guys that, that once they've gone on one of these retreats want to serve on, on, as, a, as a part of your team? Sure,
2: that's that's a great question, and and we've always estimated that among the five thousand that have come, probably about two thousand of that are repeat attendees. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of guys that come back, mm-hmm. and uh, when we, they come back, sometimes they want to serve. Maybe some, next time they might come and bring a friend, mm-hmm. or they might bring their son, and they they still want to experience that. So we we don't always invite them into leadership unless they want to do oh, that.
1: Okay, if they
2: have if they have an aptitude for it we'll invite them. Um, so I would say, uh, most, all the leaders are, are, have attended by themselves as, as just regular attendees. No one comes and starts serving right away. They have to kind of experience it first.
1: Sure. That's great. Is there anything that I'm missing? You know, anything that you want to say about, about these retreats? Not
2: the, the end of the wild retreat or, yeah, I mean, the-
1: you know, really, not every retreat house has a place for bonfires and, and, things like that where do you hold these
2: right so exactly we we don't go wherever you know there's a retreat house in fact the prime location for these are state game lands uh organized group camps where we have cabins and we want the outdoor rustic feel we don't we want we don't want to put them in a cushy environment i had a guy show up at a at a, a camp here in philly uh, in my area and uh, he said, you know what, I'm going to take my boys. and We're going to go to the Hampton Inn, but we'll come back every morning. I said, well, you're not, no, you're not going to do that. I said, I'll, I'll refund your money, um, but I'm not going to allow you to do that um, because it's not the experience you signed up for. He said, well, we weren't expecting spiders in our tents. I said, well, <laughs> that's kinda, that kind of comes with the territory. I'm going to ask you to kind of stretch yourself and stretch your boys. And uh, if you want to stay, you got to stay on site. So, um, you know, we, we want to put, we want to disorient men a little bit. We don't want to like, we usually put them in cabins. We don't usually tent camp, but we had some platforms where we did that one time. Mm-hmm. That said, we want them to be out of their comfort zone because look, if, if you're going to be like sleeping in a cushy bed and you're going to be at a four or five star, like kind of retreat experience, you're kind of going to lose the mortification element of what we're going to be talking about all weekend. So you're not going to get great sleep. You're not going to sleep even that much because, frankly, you're not going to want to. Mm-hmm. The snoring in the cabins is going to be so loud you can't sleep. And we got great coffee to get you up super early. <laughs> so, you know,
1: well, that's the important thing. As long as you get the good coffee, you know. <laughs> how about food? You know, how do you guys prepare food? And
2: so we cook our own food because we never want to give that over to someone uh, who doesn't want to feed men well. We eat like kings on this weekend. Um, We we used to bring in executive chefs. In fact, I had three executive chefs that would serve the men. I mean, guys that were at Vail, Colorado resorts. And this guy was phenomenal that he used to come. He's since passed away. But um, phenomenal food. Um, You're going to eat well. You're going to eat a lot if you want to eat a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not going to be gluttonous, but you'll, you'll have a second or third. You know how sometimes you go and you get one helping and that's it? If you're hungry, you can eat two helpings. Um, we're going to feed them well. We're going to give them some comfort food. We're going to give them steak. We're going to give them bur- We're going to give them like not franks and beans. We're going to give them like, let's see, on Saturday, we're going to give them buffalo meat. We're going to give them venison. We might give them pheasant. We might give them duck. We've given men uh, filet, uh, prime rib for sure. Uh, you know, we're going to feed men like, like they like to be fed. Uh, on Fridays we don't eat meat; we eat fish. So we'll have we'll have uh, that on Fridays for that too. All
1: right. So that brings me to, what's the cost? What's the cost of something like this?
2: Sure, for the ministry or for the men. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: if I wanted to go and attend something like this, because it sounds great, Mark. Honest to God, it really sounds really really great. What would it cost me to co- to go and and do this?
2: well, uh, if you want to go and you don't have any money, we can still get you there. Uh, we have a lot of financial aid and brother brother support, men that have attended that want to help other guys get there. So we have never let money get in the way of of, of a man who wants to come. And that said, we know that there's a great value in men investing in something because if they give given something for free, oftentimes it's just easy to, to cancel your reservation and just not show up. Right. So we like to give men an opportunity to have some skin in the game. Um the overall cost this year is three twenty five. However, most men come on discounts. Um they'll come for two seventy-five, two eighty, two ninety-five. Uh if they come with a the son, they'll come for two sixty-five, you know, because they're they're gonna have a discounted rate. If they're gonna come with eight guys or they're one, they're gonna be one of eight, they're gonna come for like two fifty five. So um, you know, there's ways to to get there on a cheaper level. However, you know, we gotta pay for the place. Hmm. We gotta pay for the Food and that all that stuff costs, as you well know. So you know we got to put a, a price to it, and we started out at two thirty-five in two thousand nine. So our rate hasn't even gone up, oh, you know, even a hundred bucks in in in, uh, in thirteen years. So we're going to continue to keep it cost-effective, so maintaining the ten these retreats.
1: So mass every day, daily mass, rosary,
2: daily rosary, twenty-four hour adoration, confession, that great. Was- pre-
1: that was, that was, that was another question. I, how many priests do you have? And and do you have like uh, professionals or, or that or, or priests that are able to hear obviously confessions, but to work people through some of the issues they might be having?
2: Sure. So we have always the goal to bring a a, a chaplain who can be on site, right? And he's, with, with the priest shortage and stuff like that, that's difficult. But I would say out of the 50 end of the wild retreats that we've done, probably 40 out of 50 have had a full-time chaplain on site. Mm-hmm. And when we have confession with 130 guys, you're going to need seven, eight, maybe nine priests. So we'll, we'll leverage that from the diocese wherever we are. We'll probably get about 50, 60 guys at this next one in Flagstaff in September. Mm-hmm. So we'll only need really like two or three priests. And we have those two priests there uh, for confession. Um, that said, you know, these are men we, we feel strongly about. We won't just invite any priest to, to serve. We want men to come who know men well. Um, who can speak into a man's heart. You know, um, some priests are gifted with that. And some priests are not. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, you just take what you can get. You know, you, you know if you can't, can't get anybody, you get. But we've had four bishops um, come to the retreats. Uh, we've had multiple religious, Augustinians, Dominicans, Franciscans, CFRs. Um, we've had uh, one who was elevated to bishop. Or two of them actually were elevated to bishop. One that's in the uh, auxiliary bishop in the Archdiocese of the Military, Bishop Joe Coffey, he uh, he came and, and served at, oh. at one of my retreats.
1: You mentioned, you know, the different religious orders that that are, have been on your retreats. How would you explain your, or how would you describe your spirituality?
2: Well, that's an interesting question. Um, so my, my spirituality is, has taken many kind of faces over the course of 48 years, um, I'm Cradle Catholic, right? So I was raised in the faith. Uh, I never left the faith. Uh, I I was really exposed at 21 to the charismatic renewal. Um, We don't bring the renewal or anything charismatic to these programs because it's just, it's not everyone's spirituality. Mm -hmm. So on a personal level, while I identify with that, I don't bring it to the retreats because it's just not those gifts and it's just not the place for it because men are all over the place with their spirituality. Mm -hmm. That said, that's where I'm at. Um, however, my temperament is probably more Augustinian in spirituality. So St. Augustine is our patron saint. So Augustinians, you would probably define them as as more, you know, the heart on fire, you know, proclaiming out to God, crying out to God for like St. Gusti- Augustine in his confessions. Mm-hmm. So that would be more my spirituality. So I'm more I'm more extroverted in my spirituality, if you will. It's not a contemplative spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that, but it's not its not who I am.
1: Who else helped you to get this this ministry off the ground and, and help design it?
2: Sure. Well, I was the first one to, to take the leap of faith to be a full-time evangelist, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a friend of mine who, in the early days when we started that first group that I mentioned, there were three of us, um, and one of the men, a dear friend of mine, Damian Wargo, was my co-founder, and he helped me in the early days, kind of part-time, and, and he would assist with the web and so forth. But he was a great uh, complement to me, whereas I'm more of an extroverted person. He was, the, he was more the introverted administrative person. So it was very good in the beginning that we could complement one another, and uh, we worked together for about eight or nine years, and then he moved on, you know, as Ben will do, and, um, you know, I stayed. So many men have come and put their footprint on the apostolate. We've had up to five employees full time. Um, and so many men that you may even know have, uh, have served in a full time capacity who have gone on to do other ministry work, which is great for them. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, um, it's just me and my board of directors
0: uh, that are, are serving the apostolate.
1: I want to bring Dave Imhoff in.
0: Oh, yeah, I've been uh, poking at your um, website as you've been talking here. It says I thought I saw stuff like advanced spirituality and advanced um, physical activities and sure. weaponry. Sure. Could you explain what you mean by advanced? Sure. In those in those uh, elements. Well, sure. So,
2: advanced would be anything that you're not getting by yourself, probably. Right? We're bringing in experts to to teach men how to shoot a gun. Last year we had, uh, we contracted a, uh, a wonderful man in Phoenix who runs a whole organization designed to give men and women um, training to defend themselves. And so we brought men in who could train our men if they wanted to get a concealed carry permit. Well, that's a little bit more advanced, isn't it? You go, you learn how to shoot a gun, that's, that's one thing but you give you the training and the six hours of classroom time that you need to get the concealed carry permit. Well, that's a little bit more advanced. So, so that could be a manifestation of that. And it was certainly, um, we bring in self-defense instructors and, and people who have fifth degree black belts and one guy who's uh, an expert martial artist, who's, uh, uh, based out of the Dallas area, he'll come in and he'll teach situational awareness and really give men, um, not the ability to defend and protect themselves, but, more an awareness uh, of, of life and what they're risking and things that you just really don't think about. And so we'll try to give men on the Protector Provider Day something like that, where they have an expert that they can be exposed to that can really bring them uh, into the combative realm and, and, and understand, especially when the riots are going and things like that that were happening in the last couple of years, People didn't know what they were entering into. So we wanted to give them a, an increased uh, understanding of this. So we'll bring in the, uh, those experts. When it comes to advanced spirituality, you know, we're, we're asking guys to adore through the night. So that's an advanced spirituality, getting up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., to go and worship and adore your Lord. Well, that's, you know, that, that's not for the faint-hearted. We're going to get you up early. We're going to go on hikes. We're going to pray our rosary, and we're going to do things that, you know, the— the monks and the saints have done for years um so we're going to do those sorts of things we're going to have daily mass of course we're going to we're going to sit on our knees at, at benediction at, at an outdoor church that we build we're going to build a basilica in the woods and then we're going to worship there and then we're going to sit on our knees and adore our lord and in, in, in the twilight of the day or the night so um anyhow those those are some more advanced spirituality stuff and tactics Uh, that we'll offer. We've done orienteering. We've done rappelling down a mountain. We've done uh, search and rescue stuff. Um, Let's see. We've done uh, uh, more of like a scavenger hunt things that will challenge men on the mountain, different things to do. Um, We do fishing. You know, that's we were going to do fly fishing. That's probably pretty intense, but uh, that never came to be. But regular fishing, we do archery. We'll have archery there for guys who've never shot bows or recurve bows. We'll have compound bows there there as well so those things are just things that we want to expose the men to uh on the weekend i don't think if there's if something comes else to my mind david i'll, I'll let you know
0: uh, that's good i get uh, better better information there on on that so yeah it sounds like you got a really good program and i'm with dave uh, some you know if we have an opportunity uh, certainly arizona is probably not in the cards but uh you know when it's around here we might be uh, interested in getting a few guys and and join you
2: great well we'll probably be doing western pennsylvania next year and uh buffalo they want the guys in buffalo wanted to come back so that's a lot closer to you
1: Mm -hmm. mark i want to switch back go back a little bit to uh you know how the kingsmen were actually founded and it was founded on on a a subject matter that a lot of men struggle with and it's really a help with men that struggle with pornography. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, sure. And, and you know, there's an old book uh, called every man's battle by Steve Arterburn. I don't know if that's true. In fact, I, I know it's not true. Not every man struggles with pornography, but it's a common struggle for a lot of men. Unchastity is a, is a big issue in the culture, especially in a culture that doesn't, doesn't support chastity and mm. modesty. And so, you know, we were an organization in the early days that took a direct stand against it. And we used our pro life efforts to really leverage uh, fighting that evil. And we were part of the closing of 22 sexually oriented businesses simply by praying in front of those places. So we got a lot of attention, although it was a very small part of what we did. And it was one of our founding things that we did. We don't do it much anymore. Um, Mostly we're 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 fighting the pro life fight and defending traditional marriage, and every and every other weird thing that's coming out there like uh, drag queen library, you know, re- stories for, for for little ones. I heard, but, that. Um, yeah, so so but the porn stuff is still there. I mean, it was multi billion when we began. I think it's multi it's trillion now. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just gotten worse. There's more porn shops around the world than there are McDonald's uh so you, you have a, just a major problem with m- many good catholic men struggling with it so why not talk about it, or at least give them a form which they can they can deal with it so in our small men's groups although that issue may come up it may not come up um we're equipped to help men through our own story through our own journey um and we can offer them accountability you know to kind of stay the course and there's no greater accountability program than the and the Sacrament of Reconciliation. So that's really where men need to go when we're dealing with that issue. Mm-hmm. But to suffice it to say, we still fight it. It's still part of our mission to eradicate it. But at this point, we just deal with it um, one man at a time, one soul at a time.
1: Well, you know, I think that's the way any problem that we're, we have has got to be fought. It's got to be fought one man at a time um, okay. because that's the way Jesus did it. He did it one... He took 12 guys and he changed the world, right. you know, and he's asking us to do our part. So I don't know if you know uh, Jim O'Day. Do you know Jim? Yes, I do. I know Jim. Yeah, Jim is with Integrity Restored and he has sure. a great, great uh, or runs a great organization to help guys that and women that are struggling with that, that particular. Yeah. So if anybody is looking for some help, uh, Jim's a great resource to reach out to uh, with that how much does, does that, that pornography come up on your retreats?
2: It only comes up when the men bring it up.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, when we have minors there, you know, we, we got to be sensitive. And so my kids are homeschooled. I have seven children. So,
1: what are you, you know, Catholic?
2: Uh, <laughs> Irish Catholic. <laughs> um, so, you know, we don't bring it up because, you know, we want to be very respectful of those children. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them, you have a homeschool, 13 or 14 year old. My, my son's 13 years old. You know, that, that's something that he doesn't know much about. Now I've educated him on it, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm, we're not, it's not like if, if he was in regular school and he has a phone or something where he has access to stuff. So we know it's, we know it's the reality for young people. Uh, the average age of exposure for this is like 10 to 13 for a boy. I think with the technology age, with tiktok and instagram and snapchat and those things that's probably more like seven to ten so uh where kids are first exposed um so it's an issue that has to come up but it it, it, we let it come up organically Mm -hmm. so if if a person mentions it or they bring it up you know great we'll we'll deal with it but um it's not something we're we're going to make it as our theme on the weekend right it may come up we might tell men they got to fight evil in their community we might allude to it but overall, when we have minors there, we want to be very respectful of, of their mind. We want to elevate their minds too. You know, mm-hmm. we want them to be thinking of higher things too. Uh, you know, we don't want to keep them in the in the doldrums of, of of the weight of our sin as their fathers, right? The weight mm-hmm. of the men in the room. You know, that's not good for them. Mm-hmm. We want to raise the bar for them, but also for ourselves. So, you know, we don't want to like lie to them, but at the same time, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that at, the, at a retreat.
1: Earlier, really, you brought up a word that's very, very important to me. It is mentor. I I sense that there is a, a where you have the mixed ages that, that that mentorship is probably very, very prevalent between the, the young people and, and, and the older people. Tell me what your philosophy is on mentorship. What is and what makes a good mentor to you?
2: Okay, so on the retreats or so it just happens again very naturally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sons will mentor their fathers. You watch We'll watch a young man swinging an axe teaching an older man who's never swung an axe how to swing an axe. So you you can see that from time to time. Mm -hmm. So, but oftentimes it's the it's the father or the older man mentoring the son, and that's you know to me that's you know lived out every day and as as a father right. I'm every day I'm called to to mentor my children. Uh, to mentor them in the faith, to mentor them in, in life, uh, and in their manhood and femininity. And my wife does the same for mm-hmm. the for the girls, most especially. So um, it's a modeling, right? For me, mentoring is a modeling first, showing them, not telling them, and then inviting them to walk alongside you. So let's say, okay, your kid's watching, you swing an ax, let's just say, because that's what the current thing I was using, example. Well, if a boy went, would you like to swing on the? Have you ever done this before, son? Now come on in here. I'll teach you, right? So that happens very easily. And then I think it's just, it's a matter of inviting the young person into that mentoring space, not telling them you need this, but building their curiosity. Do you want this? Do you desire this? It's kind of like Christ, you know, what do you want me to do for you, right? Mm -hmm. He would always ask that. He wouldn't assume it. He knew it, but he wouldn't assume it because the men and the women that he would encounter needed to initiate this the ask, and I think in the mentor-mentee relationship, the mentee really needs to, to come forward in some way, in some capacity. Not necessarily he may not have the ability to articulate it, like I just did, mm-hmm. but he may he may just be following along. Well, well if he's going to follow along, teach him something. Mm-hmm. Teach him how to do what you're doing. Talk to him. Invite him in. Dumb down the language so he can understand. Don't stay highfalutin language so he can't get what you're talking about. Invite him in. What are you interested in? What do you think about this? Ask a 13-year-old the next time you're in a deep conversation, what are your thoughts on this? And Mm. then watch what happens.
1: You know, the term generation gap didn't come into our lexicon until the 1960s. And I think mentorship is the way to prove that there is no such thing as a generation gap. Mm. Yeah, I
2: can you there.
1: Hey, Mark, we are starting to run, run out of time here, but I want you to tell people how they can get a hold of you and how they can find out more about the Kingsmen and find out more about these sure. retreats.
2: Surely. Well, the easiest thing is just to go to thekingsmen.org, and that will link you to all these, these programs we've been talking about. If they want to go directly to the Into the Wild program, which for the next one is September 15th to the 18th in Flagstaff, just go to intothewildweekend.com. And then if they want to come to our healing retreat, uh, that's November 3rd through the 6th. You go to Samson, just like the book of Judges, samsonretreat.com to learn about that. And we're doing a healing retreat for veterans in 2023 again. And that's the David Retreat, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, davidretreat.com. we have got to have David Ford speak at that. Yeah.
1: Hey, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about the David Retreat? I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'd no, love to no know more.
2: No, no, no problem. We do it another time. Um, so the Dave Retreat, real quick, is is to help veterans. Uh, and it's only for veterans and first responders. So um, it's served by veterans. The only guy that's not a veteran, the civilian, is me. And uh, so it's 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 for that unique brotherhood, mm-hmm. uh, that band of brothers. Uh, and so we will do this, and we will take men on a similar journey as our Samson Retreat, but because it's so specific when it comes to vets and their own healing we want to we designed it for them in the language that they speak for the marine in the marine corps we had army we had air force we had navy we had coast guard at the last one and it really worked well because you could tell that it they it resonated to them that the men understood what they were talking about when they were referring to their deployments and stuff and it just they spoke the same language mm-hmm. so that's why it's so important that it's unique to Uh, to these men and their branches of of service and we felt that the first responders should be invited into that because a lot of them are ex-military but a lot of them have the similar wounds of the ptsd so you know we're dealing with a lot of that 22 vets dying every day at their own hands uh it's just not it's just it can't happen we have to change it
1: yep absolutely on that note just remember uh to pray for those that are contemplating suicide this is a very it's a it's a it's a subject that's that's very, very close to my heart and I hope that we can uh pray for the for all the men and women that are, are contemplating suicide. And pray for those that have already gone and pray for the ones that they've left behind. Uh, it's a it's a sad situation. Mark Hawk, I, I appreciate very much you doing the things that you're doing for our veterans. You're a good man. You're one of the you're definitely one of the king's men. So uh, <laughs> I'd like to just say thank you for coming and joining me along the way and and spending some time with me. So for my guest, Mark Hauk, my producer, David Imhoff, I'm down the hall, Dave, praying always that your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. We'll see you next time.